I think that's Pitbull in the background. Uh, hey, everybody. And we're probably going to get copyright struck for that immediately. <laughs> uh, this is Francisco. I'm with uh, my good buddies Andrew and Charles for another episode of Sports Goofs, our 43rd. And, and welcome. Welcome, everybody. Welcome. Uh, how, how have you guys been? Andrew, you're feeling better, right? I'm feeling a lot better. Thank you for asking. Yay. That was good. Uh, any significant news over the week, you guys, from real life? Nah. Nothing significant? No. Not really. Okay. All right. Just the same old same. I drove around a lot. <laughs> you did drive around a lot, and you were actually a uh, goof on the ground, or whatever you want to call it, uh, for a certain NFL game. Goof on the ground works. Yeah, that works. Okay. On uh, this week. So, uh, and the, the classic video game that we have tonight in the background is NBA Live 06, fe uh, featuring the GOAT, Dwayne Wade, way back when. And uh, a lot of classic music in this game. So, we're, we're just going to have a, a matchup going around in the background while we, while we talk some nonsense. And uh, lots of topics again. Over this past week, in the NBA, the NFL, college sports, even Major League Baseball, is uh, we might have to do some uh, impeachment proceedings for the Houston Astros after this, and mm. uh, or or we'll have to induct that trash can into the Hall of Fame because it single-handedly won the mm -hmm. World Series title. That's that's another possibility, and we'll talk about the Hall of Fame possibly tonight. As the ballots are out, and I think Charles has a certain somebody that he wants to get in on that ballot. Uh, in fact, we could actually start with it if you guys want. Nobody else is talking baseball nowadays at this point in the, in the year. So, uh, all right, guys. Uh, Major League Baseball. Well, not Major League Baseball. I guess the, the Baseball Hall of Fame, Baseball Writers of America, whatever you want to call them, have popped out with their their list of the uh, Hall of Fame candidates for for the 2020 class and there's there's a bunch of significant names on there including Marlins great Derek Jeter uh, so uh, the ballot as of today includes Bobby Abreu Josh Beckett Heath Bell Barry Bonds, Eric Chavez, Roger Clemens, Adam Dunn, Sean Figgins, Rafael Furcal, Jason Giambi, Todd Helton, Raul Ibanez, Derek Jeter, Andrew Jones, Jeff Kent, Paul Canerco, Cliff Lee, Carlos Pena, Brad Penny, Andy Pettit, JJ Putz, Manny Ramirez, Brian Roberts, Scott Rowland, Kurt Schilling, Gary Sheffield, Alfonso Soriano, Sammy Sosa, Jose Valverde, Omar Vizquel, Billy Wagner, and Larry Walker. All right, guys. So if you guys had a Hall of Fame vote out of this list, who do you think should get in? Charles, I know you're itching. Why don't we start with you? I really hope Joan Figgins makes it. That's all I got to say. The guy was all over the field. But bias aside, 
He was. He's just not going to. I'm going to preface it as this. I don't think a lot of names, except for the guy that I'm going to say is the guy that gets my vote, mm-hmm. have a lot of potential of being into the Hall of Fame at least first ballot, first year. Um, and I'll say, preface it for two reasons. One, just because you're eligible doesn't mean that you have a right to be in it. And then two, steroid era. We're going to have fun with that. The only two names that really popped off my list is maybe Todd Helton, because he was a soldier. Um, Bobby, there's some questions on. But, of course, Derek Jeter, Captain Clutch, Mr. Yankee, Mr. MIA, uh, now. You know, we'll call him the Big Tuna? Is that, or did Bill Parcells take that? Uh, That's Bill Parcells. But here's the thing. Parcells did nothing in Miami, so he didn't even earn that name. You know what I'm going to say right now? Bill Parcells? Overrated. The best thing that came up about Bill Parcells was Bill Belichick. There, said, done. Deal with the rage that is everybody who thinks Bill Parcells is the greatest thing since sliced bread. Oh, well, they're New York Giants fans, so. so, you know. And what? But you know what? You got Tom Coughlin. So as, as far as I'm concerned, what? Parcells got you the same amount of rings that Coughlin got? So, hey, come on. Let's just go from there, guys. Plus, you know what, Bill Parcells? No loyalty. No loyalty. Go ahead, no loyalty. As it was the Giants, what, Jets, then Patriots, then Cowboys. You know you know who was basically, you know, coach for two teams? Tom Coughlin, man. Jacksonville Jaguars. New York Giants. And he went back home to Jacksonville. So that's my little diatribe on that. But Derek Jeter. Guys, remember a couple of uh, months ago or a couple of shows ago when we did the Let's Haul Y'all and Mariano Rivera was there? Oh, yeah. And we were about to say clean up aisle five. Guys, you know, clean up an aisle six is about to, because I'm going to hit you with some stats here. <laughs> Rookie of the year, four time all, 14 time all. Sorry. Five time World Series champion, five times Golden Glover, five times Silver Slugger, World Series MVP, you know, American Series MVP. So there's that. Summarization I don't believe in the stat of war. I think it's kind of flimsy at best especially when it comes to kind of like hitters, pitchers, maybe I acknowledge it, but he has a war of his career of 72. Seems high. Career, batting average, 310. That's really good, people. Non-baseball fans, trust trust your boys. It's saying that more than half when he showed up to play, usually in baseball, it's four plate appearances, sometimes five of extra innings, or if you have like a blowout coming in, no one's getting out. 310 is really good. You know, 60 home runs, whew, 3,465 hits, whew. The best final game in Yankee Stadium of this of the entire career of Yankee Stadiums when he was just doing it one more time, bringing it home for the win. I don't care too much about slugging percentage. RBIs 1,311, but there was something on that stat that was just beautiful. You're talking about a career of 310, but guys, let's talk about what really matters. You know, that postseason, the postseason stuff, postseason batting average. Derek Jeter, he's had 16 years of appearances there. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? Assuming I know how to read properly and not screw this up. <laughs> I mean, because God knows everything is just so big. His entire postseason career. Batting at 308. You guys, it's only down 0.02% of his in-career. Foundational. I mean, look, he was never going to be the big slu- big slugger, but he was the calm, cool presence. You know what Derek Jeter was, the Yankees in no championship years? Dumbledore from Harry Potter. You know Voldemort's coming. You know he's around. The Ministry of Magic ain't got your back. But if Dumbledore's around, you're good. It's all right. He's here to save the day. I, Harry I, lives. I, I, I don't fu- want evil. 
I find it because uh, there's the the Twitter arguments by people, or I guess who are trying to be woke or whatever the heck they're, they're trying to do, saying, okay, making the argument that okay, Derek Jeter wasn't as good as he as everybody thought he was. Well, okay, I don't think he's gonna get unanimous because there's I. I think they they did that for Mariano, and I think uh, there's going to be some writer that's going to be like, Griffey "Well, had it. you know, yeah, exactly." There's going to be some writers like, "Well, Griffey didn't get one. We know why we're going to do it for Jeter." Um, so, and of course, Astro Gaming A40 TR headsets. Everybody, go and get them. I saw them at Best Buy for the PS4 and the Xbox One. They have different versions of those. They got licensing deals with both of those companies. You guys can play it. Charles knows. Charles knows. He's got a PS4 there. So yeah. Uh, all right. So yeah, that's what Derek Jeter plays in the clubhouse. <laughs> so I, I find he, the argument going to get at least eighty percent. Oh no, he's going to get like he should get like ninety-five plus. At, there's no question. <laughs> I hope you would say that he was the face of baseball from the span of at the very least uh, ten years from ninety-six until. 2005 when the Yankees had that string of postseason appearances and all of those championships four championships in that time span and of course uh, then in 2009 to, to cap it off for his career I, I don't I, I find it silly to even have any argument whatsoever he's gonna get in he's getting in first ballot there's no there's no question about it he's gonna and so the question is how, is is it unanimous that's the question yeah mm, i don't think so i don't think he'll get it you know here's even two though... things that what's gonna help him okay no no go ahead finish your thought i'm sorry no no i'm just saying that all of the accolades all of the uh, just from a baseball standpoint from an, a casual fan standpoint like even a casual can, fan can recognize like that man is a Hall of Famer. There's no question about it. There's no, and, and that that goes back to the point of okay, unanimous Hall of Famer. There's nobody in baseball that can point out a flaw that says okay, this guy should not be a Hall of Famer. And if you're going by that, then I think he should be unanimous because everything he's done. Uh, uh, from a fielder, okay, everybody's saying, oh, he was an average fielder. Well, I think his his fielding deteriorated over time because of his age. But when he was younger, he was an elite defender. I mean, you had those highlight reel jump, Derek Jeter jump throws from uh, all the way from short uh, to first base. That that was a, a, a staple of his, his career, him diving into the stands. Uh, his postseason career, a lot of people made the argument, oh, well, he had a ton of help around him. He had one of the best rosters in baseball. Yeah, but he himself was clutch in the postseason. There are plenty of great players uh, throughout baseball that have been fantastic regular season players. Immediately when they get to October, they just completely disappear. Even Barry Bonds had that distinction until the 2002 series. Uh, when he, he the Giants went to the World Series, they lost, but he finally was able to shed his postseason woes after that series. Uh, so, but Derek Jeter was able to do it consistently uh, and, and played in the biggest of moments and was great for the Yankees in those moments. Heck, he was better than A Rod for most of those moments. Um, I mean, we even remember from was it the um, uh, that movie with uh, Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg. Uh, I forgot what they were called. I forgot what it was called. But either way, you know, when the they when he shot Derek Jeter, the you know, 
Yeah, yeah, and he should have shot A-Rod, you know? Because Derek Jeter was more valuable than than Alex Rodriguez. Unanimous in that sense, and that's the sense of the term from a casual perspective, from statistics, from accolades, from just results. Yes, he should get in. But there's going to be one writer, there's going to be one guy, probably from Boston, that would be like, uh, average defender, no. But that's that's the end of my thought there. I don't see him. I don't see him getting it unanimous, or maybe he'll come close to ninety. And I'll tell you why. This is going to be the trend. You know, we I felt like this is what happened to Griffey, and I feel like this is going to happen to Jeter. Or it's going to be well, we know he's going to get it anyway, so let's put the vote to somebody else who thinks going to you know benefit from this push. Because maybe not this year, maybe, maybe not next year, but in a couple of years, in a couple of years. Those votes are going to be scarce, like, you know, wheat in the Dust Bowl, because, you know, there's a lot of great near-close Hall of Fame players that you're going to require a vote to. And I don't know what the committee is going to do, as you guys know from when I think we first covered a Hall of Fame segment. I think Hall of Fame is just trash and doesn't matter, but that's just me. But I think that's what's going to happen to Jeter, where they're like, what, what is it that you need, 77% or something to get into the Baseball Hall of Fame? I think Andrew's 75%. 75, yeah. So you know the people were like... 75%. 75, so they're like, a lot's going to go to Jeter, so let's try for the utility man, Sean Figgins, or the Bobby Abreu, or the Adam Dunn, surprising that he's in it, uh, or at least contemplative of it. The Clemens, well, we already know, it's either those are going to be too scared to vote for Clemens because acknowledging the steroid era use of giving somebody who was pre- or post-steroid use a phenomenal player, at least in the beginning of his career, not in the back nine. Um, but Jeter, I can't I can't even honestly see the 90s. I think there's going to be the politic play, the political play that comes into it, and I think it will be the 85s at best. Uh, so, Andrew, what's, uh, what say you? Uh, I guess since we're talking Hall of Fame, I might as well bring this up. Um, I think I told you this once, Francisco. I don't remember... Um, but I, I keep going back and forth on the issue, but honestly, I think since steroids, to the best of my knowledge, and who knows, I'm, I might be not knowing something, steroids were never illegal during the steroid area, correct? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, yeah, it was all fun and good. It was just the lying about the Congress, mm. like, Right. a lot of people in trouble. But in terms of legality in baseball, there was nothing saying it was illegal. No. Oh, it's, yeah, yeah. So I think, I think begrudgingly, as much as I despise these people for really gaming the system, I think you have to let them in because it'd be like an ex post facto law. Yeah. That's that's kind of I kind of get got your angle when you first started mentioning it. Like basically, you can't punish for you can't get punished for something that wasn't wrong when you were doing it at the time. Is it was it always morally wrong? Hell yeah, but it wasn't against the rules. No, and again, I I, I say this hot take time. <laughs> I say this like I, I it sucks. You no. Know, I remember the ninety the ninety eight home run chase with McGuire and Sosa. Oh yeah, 
you know, I, that was absolutely magical. And that's what got that me into was, baseball. That's what got me more into baseball. And, like, I still have a newspaper uh, somewhere in storage from 1998. I, I always kept it. Mm-hmm. Um, like, that, just beyond me, that was what baseball needed to come back from 94. Right. Without a doubt in my mind, if there is no home run chase in 98, baseball is not what it is today, which it's declining to be sure, but that was what really brought it back on the road to recovery because that was still fresh in a lot of people's minds. That and uh, Cal Ripken Jr. breaking the consecutive game streak just a season later. It's those big moments that helped baseball bring back the fans, if you follow. So you think uh, guys like Roger Clemens and I guess Barry Bonds and Sammy Sosa should get in? Like, now, another thing is I do think there also has to be some sort of a... a and this is going off on a complete other tangent, so I'll just bring it up briefly. But I do think there should be also like a moral requirement, if you will. Um, you know, I'm not saying you know everyone has to be goody two shoes and have a completely clean record, but there are some things that even if it, they didn't break the rules of the game and they have fantastic statistics. I still think there are some things that should be disqualifying just based on morals. And, you know, I'll talk to you guys privately about what I think what I think these are um, because I'm sure that will get me in a, hot, a lot of hot water if I ever say it publicly. But just leaving all that aside, based on statistics, I think and again, it kills me to say this because for so many years, my thinking was always, you can't let them in, you can't let them in. These guys were doing something, they were cheating and things like that, yada, yada, yada. But the thing is, they were not cheating. They technically were not cheating. Because cheating means to be doing something against the rules. Mm-hmm. Or under some sort of norm that is generally accepted. Um, you know, it's one thing, I mean, hell, even there are cocaine users in the Hall of Fame right now. Um, which, I guess, technically, was never technically illegal in, in baseball. It was illegal everywhere else, but it was not illegal in baseball. Uh, so, I'm, I'm ranting on here, I apologize, I'll wrap up but a certain bench coach on the Braves. So, yes, as much as I hate to admit it, because what I think these people did is reprehensible and it sucks, they shouldn't be commemorated for what they did by gaming the system, but, yes, I do think that you have to let these people into the Hall of Fame. Um, And I think in one other thing, sorry, it just popped into my head. I think also what it'll do 
is it'll allow us to get a clean break from the steroid era and just say, look, this is it. Did these guys deserve to get it? Did they cheat? Hell yeah, they did. Technically, not technically, but morally, yes, they cheated. But let's, no, no more ifs, ands, or buts. Let's just say, did you do well enough to get in despite all that crap? Yes. All right. Done. Anyone else who does it from here on out, you have, uh, like, if Ryan, whenever Ryan Braun retires, uh, um, David Ortiz, uh, things like that, you know, these guys that did take steroids after, uh, well, Alex Rodriguez, I think Ortiz may have been before, uh, but, you know, Ryan Braun, uh, Cano took steroids as well, right? Um, uh, maybe in like 2016 when it was the Mariners. I mean, so yeah, you've guys had like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. you take you can factor that in. Um, but here I think you just have to was accused in 2015. I know Manny Ramirez. Um, sorry, I'm I'm tired. I had a long day. I'm trying to formulate thoughts here. So I think just get this over with and say. You know, just rip the Band-Aid off and just say, enough is enough. Let's just let these guys so, in if you think they deserve it. Don't into, just, like, let them all in. Yeah, so head into the new decade of 2020 be like, all right, let's just... It's It's been 20 years, basically, since that... or 50, Yeah, about 20, 15, 20 years since that era. Let's just... Let's just move on by doing this. Okay. I, I couldn't get behind you know, that. Take, take the asterisk off Barry Bonds 762. Um, and well, honestly, Barry Bonds because... might be the best person to usher it in because there's, of course, the argument that he was a Hall of Famer before that's he decided. Thing. Yeah. So that, that's something that pisses me off about him because he didn't need to take steroids to become a Hall of Famer. He was. Maybe not a first ballot Hall of Famer, but he was sure as oh, hell he, getting in. No, he would have been a first ballot Hall of Famer, just not with the power numbers that he had. But he would have had 500 plus home runs and and a 300 batting average, and you know just a, an insane walks number and all that type of stuff, on base percentage and slugging percentage. He would have had that anyways. Um, I think the mm, that's a good point. in that in terms of Barry Bonds, I I think that. Uh, yeah, he needed it for the longevity of his career. He would have, basically, what Barry Bonds probably would have had, he would either would have had a career like Albert Pujols, who is kind of, you know, he's still playing, but he's a DH in Anaheim and all that stuff. Or he could have had, or he would have deteriorated like what we're seeing happen to Miguel Cabrera right now, which is also very, it's kind of sad mm-hmm. when that it's happening now. But, you know, he's had a Hall of Fame career, but just his body's not cooperating anymore. That Barry Bonds would have been one or the other. Um, he wouldn't have lasted as long as he did, and in the National League of, of all places. Um, but I think, as far as Barry Bonds, he would probably be the best one to usher it in. Uh, they would have, they would allow him to get in under the, under his merit, before everybody suspected him of, of, uh, of taking uh, performance-enhancing drugs. Uh, I think take a, a page out of the the Hockey Hall of Fame's book in letting him in under his potential uh, 
finish to his career, kind of like um, Pavel Bure, who didn't have a very long career in the NHL, but uh, due due to injuries, finally just his knees just couldn't couldn't take the the rocket fuel that he he had in his body before that because uh, he was insanely awesome. But uh, the Hockey Hall of Fame let him in just based on the fact that if this guy did play 15 years, he would have had first ballot Hall of Fame numbers up the wazoo. So uh, and there, that's that. Finally, uh, okay, so I'm going to give a couple guys that I kind of hope, uh, probably not to get in this year, not first ballot Hall of Famers, but guys that probably should get in maybe on the second, maybe on the third, or maybe in their last season. Um, I think like, like sort of like a like a Jim Rice type of uh, scenario. Todd Helton is one. I know a lot of people will 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 point at the fact. Okay, he played at Coors Field, but it, look, uh, and the same thing with Larry Walker. The same thing with Larry Walker. Um, they played most. They played a lot of their games at Coors Field. Larry Walker played probably maybe a third of his games at Coors Field because remember, he wasn't always on the Rockies. He played for the Cardinals. He played for the Expos. Uh, he was just a great hitter. Even on the road, if you look at his road numbers, they are very good road numbers. So uh, Larry Walker should probably be a guy that, that, that should get in eventually. Uh, Todd Houghton as well. Uh, they'll probably go in as Rockies because that's what they were most known as. Uh, for for their careers, uh, another guy, uh, yeah. I, from a nostalgia standpoint, I, I wish that Sammy Sosa would get in as one of the guys to 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 become a, a Hall of Famer. But uh, and actually, now that I think about it, um, I think that might actually be one of the moral things that I'm talking about because you've got like uh, Rafael Palmero. Um, Miguel well, Tejada. I'm not sure if these no, guys lied to Congress. Well, Palmero is no longer like, no longer eligible at this point. Uh, he's oh, gone. is he not? No, no. I, I read the okay. entire list. There's only 32 guys on the ballot, and uh, Palmero has finally been uh, taken off. And of but course, you, yeah, his you, was his you, was the most egregious. <laughs> right. Out of all but of like, them. let's say going back to my thing about letting the guys that took steroids in. Um, you know, that's a guy, he had the numbers for sure. Um, had he not lied to Congress, he would be in that group of people. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming as if he's still eligible just for sake of argument. Um, you know, yeah, it sucks that he took steroids, but he has the stats, let's let him in. Mm-hmm. But because he lied to Congress, he would be someone I would say, no, I will not vote for because of him lying to Congress and that sort of moral thing, if you follow. Like, okay. I don't think Sosa ever lied. Did he lie to Congress? I mean, he was part of that. He, it was him, Rafael Palmero, Mark McGuire. Uh, but, all right. Um, uh, so, Todd Houghton. Another one that's kind of on the fence for me, and it's only from a personal kind of biasness it's it's gary sheffield uh he's got he's got some pretty i mean when i look at baseball references and of course he's one of the guys that had some accusations of it i don't know if he showed up on the mitchell port but uh nothing really came of and nobody really points at him as as a big steroid user and he 
Um, but he, I mean, he had 500 home runs. He has a World Series championship. He played for 22 seasons uh, for the Brewers, the Padres, the Marlins, the Dodgers, the Braves, the Yankees, the Tigers, and the Mets. Uh, as far as his Hall of Fame stats are concerned, according to uh, baseball reference, um, he's falling just a bit short in some categories, but as far as Hall of Fame standards in the batting category, he's above the average Hall of Famer. Uh, in the, so there's a there's a slim chance of him getting in. He'd probably have to be one one of those like veterans committee type of uh, uh, inductions. And the veterans committee also has their ballot. The the other guys are Lou Whitaker, Dwight Evans, Tommy John, Dale Murphy. Ted Simmons, Thurman Munson, Don Mattingly, Dave Parker, and Steve Garvey. Uh, what some people might suspect is that, I mean, you could see three Yankees, three Yankee captains get in, which would be Thurman Munson, Don Mattingly, and Derek Jeter, which I guess if you wanted a Yankee, all-Yankee Hall of Fame class like that, it would be a kind of interesting type of thing. Uh, and and uh, Fate to Silence, everybody. is a single-player co-op survival adventure set in a post-apocalyptic world that is frozen in eternal winter. Uh, so, yeah, uh, that's another one of our our sponsors for tonight. Okay, but those are the, the guys that I wanted to highlight. Um, another guy that... Uh, man, remember when Andrew Jones just fell off a cliff in his career? Mm-hmm. I mean, wow. Um, yeah, Jason Giambi. Yeah, he's. I think this is his first season on the ballot. He he kind of. Uh, Jason Giambi kind of repaired his image after he got caught. He, he kind of became the surly veteran. But you guys remember him on the on the Cleveland Indians after that. Uh, he became like the surly veteran. I mean, a lot better than his brother Jeremy Giambi turned out. So. Uh, he kind of repaired his image in that sense, which a lot of people. I don't know if he, he became a coach somewhere, right? I think he's a coach somewhere. I think he was a bench coach for Cleveland. Yeah, possibly at uh, the time. I think. Yeah. So, so uh, uh, Jason Giambi is a guy that repaired his image. So it, it's kind of nice that the guys that admitted to being, you know, doing wrong a lot of stuff are, are, are repairing their image afterwards. That's that's always a good thing. Uh, A-Rod has done it, um, uh, Jason Giambi did it, so yeah, there's just those other guys like Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens just disappeared on everybody, uh, Sammy Sosa also disappeared on everybody after his playing career was done, um, yeah, but there's a bunch of guys here that, that I mean, from a nostalgia standpoint you hope would get in, uh, but Larry Walker, uh, he's got 54% last year, that was so he'll probably get a bit more this year. And, of course, there's Kurt Schilling, who a lot of people don't like, but his his pitching numbers, uh, from what I see on um, baseball reference, ought to get him in the Hall of Fame at some point. So he's most likely going to get um, uh, an increase in votes this year. Uh, maybe like um, Charles was saying, maybe a guy that thinks, okay, Jeter doesn't need help, he's going to get in. We'll give something to Kurt Schilling. Um, all right, so but that's I mean, a... with Schilling. Schilling though is, I'm sorry, just to introduce Schilling's three World Series 
he had, I think. Um, he's got the accolades for three, it. Three, four, six overall ERA. So he, yeah, three, think, four, so six. Second and third year because after he, after all that stuff, right? After the, um, after his career, he kind of became a pseudo jerk. Well, but it's you know, but once again, it's it's. Uh, he's it got counts? the numbers for a Hall of Famer. For, like, the morality stuff. Yeah, but even then, just because the guy's a, a douche doesn't mean that he didn't have the numbers to get in. He did pretty much everything you could ask of a pitcher, and and well, he's got the numbers. So for did Roger it. Clemens, but oh, I mean, but then of course you know, he the had the accusations, the steroids, right? Exactly. So. So if yeah. Schelling, Schelling should get in, and then Roger Clemens probably should get in at some point. But once again, we need somebody to open that door. Most likely, if anybody's going to open that door, it would be Barry Bonds out of all of those guys. Um, all right. Uh, that's uh, that's enough for baseball. We can talk about the, the Houston Astros trash can some, t- some other time. Uh, okay. We should um, wait for it to... to... I don't know, more info to develop. Oh, yeah. No, there's still an investigation going on. Uh, the memes are fantastic, by the way, on Twitter. No, they're amazing. For for the Astros. Oh, I can't wait. I'm actually, I'm actually hoping fans really jump on it during the Major League Baseball season. Just with mm-hmm. making weird noises, all kinds of signs. I, I mean, wherever the Astros go, they should really, they should really hammer it home. Even if they're not guilty of this. It would be really funny, or if they don't find any sort of evidence against them. All right, uh, half hour in, I, I would like to let's let's uh, let's go to one of our smaller segments. Better know a minor league team, guys. There's plenty of minor league teams all across the land for for baseball, basketball, and hockey, and we we get to know each and every one of them. Once a week, and and this week I uh, just to do a quick one. We're gonna do the the College Park Skyhawks, which is an incredibly awesome minor league name. The Skyhawks. The Skyhawks are based in College Park, Georgia, just on the outskirts of the Hartsfield uh, Atlanta Airport. They were established in 2017. They were formerly the Erie Bayhawks out in Erie, Pennsylvania from 2017 until this year, 2019. So they're playing their first season out in College Park. They play in the NBA's G League, and they are the G League affiliate of the Atlanta Hawks. Thus, that's why they play in College Park. They're very close to their 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 major league affiliates. They play in the Eastern Conference in the Southeast Division. They have no championships. Uh, and there's no notable alumni I can find so far. They play at the Gateway Center Arena, which opened this year, has a capacity of 3,500. And they were the first version of the Erie Bayhawks. There is a current version of the Erie Bayhawks that is playing right now. They are the affiliate of the New Orleans Pelicans, but they will be relocating to Birmingham, Alabama once their their arena down there is finished. And uh, another little tidbit here is the College Park Skyhawks uh, uh, rapper Two Chains is a part owner because he is from College Park, Georgia. So there you go. 
uh, that's it for for that. There's no other significant thing that I can talk about as far as this team is concerned. There's no. I guess the most significant thing is that Two James is part there is part owner of the team. So. Uh, Good to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, another smaller segment we can go here is uh, players we remember to forget. And if you guys think of one whilst I do this, you can pop it in. We can look them up. Since we were just talking about Hall of Famers, let's talk about um, non-Hall of Famers. So this this time I'm going to... I, I plucked one out of a hat on Baseball Reference. Um, it is Chris Hoyles. Chris Hoyles, former Ooh. catcher. Uh, he, uh, you might recognize his name if you remember him from the 90s. Uh, uh, Major League Baseball catcher for the Baltimore Orioles from 1989 until 1998. He's from Bowling Green, but the one in Ohio. He played at Eastern Michigan University, which criminally is not called the Emus. As Andrew I know. That's, it's a big thing. Yes. I'm very disappointed. Yeah, everybody's disappointed. They should rebrand immediately, but of course they are too... Stu- what are, what are mm-hmm. they? Like the Eagles or something stupid like that? The Eagles. Ah, so, so generic. So generic. And the thing is, what's even better... If you want to pull up a picture of their football field. Oh, let me see. Uh, what's it called? Uh, let me just put Eastern. We're going to go off on a tangent here, but why not? We're going down the rabbit hole. Eastern Michigan University Eagles football. Let's see if we get a... And they play at Reinierson Stadium, which is... Okay, I see their football field. So it is on this screen and? here. Uh, it is primarily. Oh no 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 no! That's that's their old field. That's their old field. Well, go to Google Images search. Okay, I'll do that. But, they uh, is... they've changed the the actual playing surface. Uh, is it a colored surface? Ryanierson Stadium. Is it gray? Correct. Oh, that's that's odd. And I guess that's their their color scheme: gray and green. Uh, no, it's actually green and white, I believe. But apparently, it's supposed to reference kind of like the you know factory, you know, blue collar mentality that they're supposed to be. Uh, which is weird. Um, when they int- when they introduced the new surface, they tried to they you know how like in high school they'll have these like paper um, these like paper banners the team will run through. Yeah, yeah. Um, they had one made out of like, uh, like cinder blocks. Um, you know, like concrete blocks, but they yeah. couldn't—they couldn't go through it. <laughs> they couldn't break through. That's funny. You can pull it up. Um, what? There was a video of it. Yeah. Oh, hold on. Okay, we got to see that. One second. Oh gosh, it's on YouTube most likely. So, I mean, what would it be under on the search terms? 
Uh, I don't know, to be honest. And this is how forgotten Chris Hoyles is. We are on a completely different subject <laughs> than he is, uh, than, than about him. Um, all right, so one second. Uh, I, I might as well talk about him while we're while we're searching this. So EMU football uh, block. I'm not sure. Not even sure. Uh, so he yeah he went to Eastern well, Michigan. I'll look it up and you keep talking. Okay. Uh, he went to Eastern Michigan University. He played. Uh, he was drafted 19th round by the Detroit Tigers. He is a member of the of both the Baltimore Orioles and the Eastern Michigan Hall of Fame, and he is currently the host of Bird Talk, which is the Orioles radio show. And he must not have had a very fun time talking about the Orioles last season because they gave up a ridiculous amount of home runs. They set the record right for the most home runs allowed in a baseball season. The Orioles. Yeah, I think that's what happened last season. Uh, it didn't help that they were in a division with the Yankees and the Rays. Um, okay, so that's Chris Hoyles. Andrew, you can try and look that up, and we can move on to our next stuff. Yeah, keep move on, and I'll see if I can pull it up. Uh, all right. Uh, okay, so I guess we can talk about... It's actually about... fitting that you brought him up, because I think Eastern Michigan is playing tonight. Oh, Interesting. Actually, hold on. Let me see on the score crawl if it's popping up there. I, I don't. Maybe, maybe not. Probably not up there. Anyways, uh, all right, Charles. So we can talk about the NFL now. And you were actually well, at a game during Week Eleven. You were I there for. So you know what? Go ahead, man. You yeah, were I was the... there for Buck Saint. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna combine it a little bit because I did have a player that we remember to forget. Really? He is a former Buccaneer, so this is a segue to the experience. And I remember playing him a little bit mad, of course, back in the day and seeing him live. So he showed up on the field to have his little, you know, because what happens is with halftime, a lot of sports venues and sports teams, like, we show off some veterans. So my especially player to remember to forget really before we segue, especially when they're really bad, before they segue into NFL time, but still relevant, is Ernest Graham running back for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, played his college days in Florida. He's a Florida guy, born in Mariner, or went to school in Mariner, Florida, and then, you know, born, I believe, in Coral Springs. To give you just an idea, he was dubbed by John Gruden as Mr. August, because, you know, that's Gruden, complimenting you, even though he's breaking your spirit. Go talk to, you know, Carr about that stuff, but we'll see. Never given an opportunity to carry the ball. His career was relatively short, but he was loved for his work ethic. He had his chance to start certain games because Cadillac Williams, Michael Pittman, Mike Allstott, they were all kind of fading out. Later in his career, you know, he, he was trying to split carries, work done. That didn't work. Kept coming back, kept coming back. They put him more in the fullback role. And then, unfortunately, his career kind of came to an end when he got hurt in 2011. Since then, what Ernest Graham has been doing um, has been coaching high school. I know he's doing something with, and I quote, because Wikipedia is the most reliable source in the world, is the new head coach and director of football operations at Evangelical Christian School in Fort Myers, Florida. Probably going to have a lot of success there. So let's talk about Tampa Bay and Raymond Jane Stadium. A lot of fun. Very empty stadium because the book. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Oops. Whoops. Whoops. Oh, hold on, guys. Technical difficulties. Uh, we, we our our call dropped. So uh, I guess Charles was uh, explaining his 
his time at uh, Raymond James Stadium. So I'm going to get them back on the line real quick. Just give me a second to, to get them on here. So we're going to talk the, the New Orleans Saints and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They played. Um, Charles was on the scene. The Saints defeated the Buccaneers as I'm trying to get them popping back up here. Sorry, my uh, messenger crash here. Drew Brees has uh, 55 touchdowns versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which is the most against any other team that he's faced. Of course, the Bucks are in the same division as the Saints. And Michael Thomas, who, remember, he had the issue with uh, the Saints prior, uh, but uh, they paid him. He's back, and he's uh, uh, first wide receiver with 90-plus reception yards in first 10 games. So, hey, guys, are you guys back? Because... Uh, uh, my thing just kind of crashed and I, I disappeared on you a bit, but I kept the show running. Sorry, uh, Charles, if you're still there, please explain. If if uh, Charles has left now, uh, I got to ring him back here. Andrew, are you back here? I'm here. Okay, sorry about that. My my thing. No, not a problem. There, which is, uh, but you did send me the video of uh, EMU while we're trying to get Charles back here on the screen. So maybe we can look at that before he returns. Uh, Charles, are you Can back? You yeah. Sorry, that I'm was back. on my that was on right. my end. That was on my end. Sorry about that. Are you, are you sure it was not John Gruden or and or Jameis Winston getting revenge on me and sabotaging the best show that promotes all the best highlights and best sponsors such as our Astro Gaming headset A40 and Fade to Silence? Play now with your friends. Play now by yourself. <laughs> Don't be like Jameis Winston who's going to be stuck selling those games at GameStop and throws another single interception this season. Stay tuned. Find out. Oh, gosh. Okay. Uh, go ahead. Sorry, man. Okay, so you were at Raymond James Stadium, a very empty stadium this year. Very empty stadium. Um, me and my buddy were kind of several heights up, but it was kind of perfect because there's something about that open stadium in the field that makes it pop, so it looks like you're watching it just on 4K television. Um, Jameis was not good at all through four picks. One of them wasn't really his fault because it went through the hands, I think, of wasn't Mike Evans, but of... Um, uh, Scotty Miller, and it just went into the receiver's hands, but nah. Drew was surgical. Uh, the game looked close if you just look at the box score, but the Saints were by far ahead by like 17 points by the end of the first half. Uh, fun, guys. It's a very nice-looking field. They have the cannon ship, or the, the the big Buccaneer ship, that every time mm -hmm. a touchdown or a field goal or an extra point score, the cannons go off. I sent you guys a couple of those videos. Um, so I was the goof on the ground. Raymond James Stadium, I haven't been there in 15 years. It was a nice experience, though it came at the expense of, I guess, rooting for, you know, or against the Buccaneers, you know, because I grew up in that area in Polk County, Florida, so my first exposure into football was with the Buccaneers because I didn't really get into it until about 2001, 2002, and that's when the highlight of the John Gruner was about to explode. Um, but it was all nice, you know, I mean, it's better than Dolphin Stadium, that's for sure. Really? Um, you know, it was, yeah, I think so. Like, I hate to go down to you know, see the Miami games. Um, it was very hot and muggy. Granted, the weather was different. It was like 50 degrees, so I'm freezing, but I was liking it. Um, except, you know, I have short hair now, so I was like, all right, if I get bronchitis or a head cold, I'm just going to jump off this stadium and see what happens. Uh, but I liked it, and you know, the tickets were cheap, too. It wasn't really that expensive. Everything was kind of nice. And, uh, you know, if you guys are in the area, I would tell you to still go to the Dolphins game. You want to make that drive, but if you ever find yourself wanting to see a Tampa game, you want to see what 
cheap tickets look like because you have a trash team, that's the Florida team to go because Jacksonville still has a chance. You know how the Dolphins are. They just say, hey, don't even buy tickets. Don't even bother. Just watch it on the, the bar in Miami, and then you're good. Okay. So, uh, sorry, uh, Charles. I'm watching them try and tear down this wall. That's that's what they do? Well, that's, that's what they did. Um, but that was... They eventually got it sorted out, so it didn't take that long. But um, I sent you another link that's. I sent you another link to it that might be easier to pull up. Okay. Uh, so but still, uh, that if if you're looking for a if you're looking for a way to sum up EMU in in 15 seconds, that's it. Oh boy, that is talk about a gimmick. Talk about a gimmick. Oh boy. Um, all right, so uh, so that was the New Orleans Saints, uh, and the Saints are, are a very very good football team. Uh, and I wanted to go back into the tank race here. Just an update on the tank race, tankathon right now. The Cincinnati Bengals truly, truly are. Are one of a kind with regards to this tank. They have uh, they have bought in completely on this tank here. Uh, they lost 17 to 10 to the Oakland Raiders. Uh, they have allowed four 100-yard rushers this season. The other tank games, the New York Jets have effectively uh, ruined their tank, and of course, it's it's of course uh, uh, very New York Jets-like. To do such a thing and just fail at everything of course uh, that's probably because of the fact that they were facing an nfc east team and they've gone three and one versus the nfc east teams this season so they beat uh they played the cowboys the redskins the the uh the giants and and uh the eagles so far and they've gone three and one and they've gone uh completely winless against everyone else so maybe the jets ought to switch with the giants or something like that, uh, and tr and trade divisions, and that might be the one way they that might actually be good. Um, so yeah, the the Washington Redskins uh, were able to score a touchdown for the first time in a long time. They snapped a streak of 16 straight quarters without a a touchdown, uh, and as they they scored two in the fourth quarter, even though they still lost, the New York Giants. Are in a buy, so they still remain there in the tank race. I think they're, they're, they're they would pick third at this point. And finally, the Miami Dolphins, uh, the tank is back on track, everybody. So um, uh, they they lost to the Buffalo Bills. Uh, the Bills kind of just took over the game for much of that. Anytime the Dolphins somehow got a little bit of, of momentum. Uh, I, uh, uh, they, they, the Dolphins, uh, kind of reeled it back in, like, oh, all right, guys, don't worry. We're, we're gonna get this tank right back on track, and the Dolphins somehow messed something up afterwards. Uh, either, uh, so, and I watched some of, some of that Dolphins game, and it was, it was very clear to me that the Bills have, uh, have, uh, gotten them, themselves back on track, um, and are still in this playoff race here so good on the bills for that but the dolphins good on you guys you guys are still number four 
And you might actually have a chance of drafting Tua Tagovailoa because of a injury that he sustained this past week. And I guess we'll talk about that when we get to college football. I'm sure Andrew has some thoughts on that. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, contenders this week, the Giants defeated the Arizona Cardinals, the Patriots, even though everybody's questioning their offense and Tom Brady, they were able to beat the Eagles and the Pats have won. Uh, the Pats and the Eagles, five of the last six games, have been decided by one possession, including the Super Bowl. And the Patriots clinched their 19th straight winning season, which is uh, an insane amount, and it's still the second longest streak so far. Um, hoping one day that will get snapped, but likely will not. And the Baltimore Orioles destroyed the Houston Texans. The uh, the Orioles. Did I say the Orioles? Orioles? Oh, the Orioles don't destroy anybody. Yes, you did. No, no, I said that, but the Orioles do not destroy anybody. Gosh, I'm sorry. The the Ravens. <laughs> the Orioles are the are the least likely to destroy anybody. If anything, they're the ones get that get destroyed. Ten and zero when uh, Lamar Jackson rushes for seventy plus yards and he has eleven touchdowns in the last three games and the guy's just a freaking superstar. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, maybe Chris Davis should play for the Ravens. He could actually do something. Uh, and I'm sure the Orioles would love to get rid of that contract. Uh, anything that stood out to you, Charles, in this past week in the NFL? Um, I mean, the debate has heated up. Is Lamar Jackson your MVP or is it Russ Wilson? Ask yourself this. If you give it to Lamar, it's because you can player playing the position right now. However... You know, a lot of those touchdowns were kind of just busted plays, such as the Mark Ingram screen, not screen, but the flat route that he got. And you know, he doesn't put up sexy passing numbers to be desired. So he's accurate for his touchdown base. But if you're going for Russell Wilson, it's because of the fact that he's doing less with more, more with less. But the same argument being made with Lamar Jackson, where you got Willie Sneed and then Hayden Hurst and Mark Andrews. You don't really have a defender number two because Marquise Brown is never really healthy coming into it. I think that's going to be a very interesting to heat up. Patrick Mahomes kind of putting his key got to remember before he was injured, he had 15 touchdowns, the one interception with a QB rating or completion percentage around 67-68. After yesterday's game, when he kept it tight, you know, he's at 19-2. and two. That's a lot. You know, he has that expectation to at least match up to Russ's touchdown ratio um, by next week or in the next game because they're on the five. And it begs to ask the question of, you know, is touchdowns because the MVP for all intents and purposes is a very quarterback breach. Can't get it because why he ain't getting into the postseason. Um, yeah. Other things that kind of stuck in my eyes is pay Dak Prescott. Yes, I know he's winning against bad teams and throwing four touchdowns. Pay him. Stop being cheap, Jerry. Six hundred eighty-one thousand was what the man's making this year. When you throw almost four hundred yards, four touchdowns, no, you know, interceptions, and he he doesn't have a bad. So he's had kind of a lots of the game, but that comes with a OC who is figuring out his stuff. Just pay the man. Other couple of tidbits, you know, because we talked about last week, Browns, you're all trash. Just say it now. <laughs> Mason Rudolph, you're punk. And oh, yeah. Now. Oh, no, that like was... Gumby. Oh, oh, boy. Actually, that was... Uh, he's actually... Uh, 
you know we can we actually we can actually get to this segment right now because we we can uh gottlieb's goons mason rudolph was one of my gottlieb goons because oh no no. Uh, andrew did you see the fight between the 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 steelers and the browns I don't know if he's if he heard me. That. Mason Rudolph, because he's still running with that concussion that he got knocked out of. I'll tell oh, you that. Oh God! But I mean, what a he is a punk. He is a punk because um, he started the fight. He tried to take off Miles Garrett's helmet. He's the one that, that kind of punched him in the crotch region and the groin in the in the in the family jewels there. And of course, some he went insane. Yeah, Miles Garrett, you know. Probably not the best way to retaliate against them. You know, he could have just run up on him and, and punched him in the face. Or, you know, it would have been really funny if he just threw the helmet, like, really far away and go and pick it up, that type of thing. He just kind of, you know, rolled with it that way. But, of course, the man tried to punch in the crotch and take off your helmet. So, of course, uh, I could understand why he was so steamed. Other people were like, oh, you got to have better judgment in that scenario. Look, if you're in that scenario, I'm sure a lot of people might have reacted in the same manner so i'm i'm actually i'm actually against the season-long suspension for him i really uh, maybe at the very least a regular season suspension uh in case the browns somehow make the playoffs but uh, um and he can come back then but i i I don't think uh I don't think he's completely at fault here. I think Mason Rudolph should be suspended uh, for for half of whatever the rest of the the season are for for the Steelers because the Steelers aren't making the playoffs. They, who are they kidding? Um, uh, and Mason Rudolph is a punk, and he's uh, he's he just had an awful game. He got shown up. He got destroyed, and he took it out on him like a little bitch. So uh, Mason Rudolph is a, is a Gottlieb goon. Uh, when it comes to that sense. So let me ask you this to kind of segue. I'm going to come back because I have my own separate Gottlieb Goon, still a football player. But mm-hmm. can we just say that Marquise Pouncey does not deserve a single suspension because you no. know what he did? He saved a life. He saved a life because no. that boy was about to die. He was about to die. You know, Miles Garrett is literally a bull with the horn shaved off. The man is a physical freak of nature. He yeah. was looking at Mason Rudolph saying, like, I, I have to be a good Samaritan. I have a duty, and I'm not going to reach that duty. Honestly, Marquise Pouncey, I, I look at it from a hockey perspective. Hockey, hockey players always defend their goalie no matter what. No matter what. It doesn't matter if their goalie is at fault for whatever's going on between him and another player. Hockey players defend their own goalie no matter what happens. So I would say the same thing for an offensive lineman. They defend their own quarterback no matter what happens, even if their quarterback was a little bitch that started off all of this stuff. You still got to defend them. You still got to defend your guy. Just like in baseball, a catcher always defends, all the fielders always defend the pitcher. Always defend the pitcher. Even if the pitcher's at fault for what's going on, you always defend them because they are the valuable asset in that scenario. So you always do that. And so you you don't I mean he was coming in in defense he it was still a heat of the moment he might have not seen all that was happening but all he knew was that there's a guy attacking his quarterback you defend him you defend him so uh, I don't know I mean that's that's how I see it I agree. And then who was the other one that got the other D lineman that got suspended? Igabe or whatever his name is? The guy that shoved Rudolph from behind. 
A Villanueva? Okay, so he, he got a little bit. But when you... No, 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 no. Not no. Villanueva. It's the other lineman, but I can't uh, pronounce his name. He got okay. three games as well. Yeah, something like that. But, uh, mm -hmm. so, if we're still on Goons, I have one of my own Go that ahead. was just recently announced today. So it should hit close to both you and me, Francisco. Mark Walton of the Miami Dolphins, who's already ah. a four-game suspension, was cut by the Miami Dolphins, mm. and he's probably going to be done with the league because there was new charges pushed to him for striking a pregnant woman, but, you know, his, the mother of his future child. Uh, so, Mark Walton, the reason why you're a goon compared to some of the other people who do domestic violence, and we all know, oof. we don't condone it, we don't like any of it, it's because this has literally been your history since coming out of college. When he was coming from Miami, when he went to Cincinnati, he got into some trouble, and then the Dolphins took him in because they were taking low-rent flyers. He was actually a good starter because it was between them or Kalen Balazs. So you're like, all right, let's at least go with the guy who's kind of physical, bad taste aside, bad taste and humor aside, but then you do this, you're booked now in Davey, enjoyed that domestic violence as a virginary program, pal, you ain't never getting back to the NFL, you really weren't, you know, anything to begin with, but you're a goon, don't do it, you had you had more opportunities, I think, than some of the other guys who, you know, were existing in the league when they first got popped with it, unlike Tyreek Hill, but we don't comment on that, but uh, Mark Walton, goon, definitely goon, go on the Godleave show, they'll like you. Uh, I, I know we're at the halfway point, but I, I still want to finish the segment because I have another significant one that I wanted to talk about. And Andrew, I don't know if you saw this as well because I know uh, you're, you yourself are an umpire um, for baseball games and you're a hockey fan as well. But did you see the Matt Calvert incident that happened out in Vancouver between the Avs? Oh, you did not? Okay. Well, it was um, probably one of the biggest things that came out of one of the more controversial things that came out of hockey. So I'm going to see if I can find it on YouTube. You guys can see it. But if you guys want, I can explain it to you. So uh, the Colorado Avalanche were playing against the Vancouver Canucks up up at uh, Rogers Arena in, uh, in British Columbia. And the Avs were winning, I think at that time it was a 4-3 to three game. Coming down to the wire, probably the last three minutes of the game, if I'm not mistaken, but I'm going to look it up, and you guys can see it for yourself. Matt Calvert um, and Canucks. Let me see if I can find the incident on here. Okay, so here it is from Sportsnet. So I'm going to display it here on the screen here. And so what's happening here, so... Yeah, so there's about 2.47 left here on the screen. Now, Matt Calver is, uh, you kind of see him there in the middle of the ice. So the, um, there's a, uh, the, the Canucks have the puck. Uh, they have the extra man on. They're desperate. Okay, so it was 4-2. to two. They're, They were desperately trying to score here to try and see if they can stick in the game. Uh, and so uh, Matt Calvert kind of gets in the way here. And tries to block the shot, but he blocks the shot all right, but he blocks it with his head. And so it hits him. He's lying on the ice on the ground, and the, the play still goes on, and he's writhing in pain, just writhing in pain. You see one of his teammates go out there to try and check on him, but the play is still going on. Um, 
and you're looking here and even the Canucks player that that took the shot is looking at him uh, trying to see if there's a stoppage in play and he's still writhing on the ground in pain and the Canucks were able to score at that moment so it was four to three and Matt Calvert is still in pain he's bleeding profusely from his head and it's clear that that he's 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 hurt and you can see him wobble like he tried to get back get back up and he was wobbling so he was dazed so he, I don't know if he suffered a concussion from it in the end and you can see he's kind of still wobbling off of the ice there so you're you're looking at here a little close up and right there right kind of like in the back of the head there but it, it caught him underneath the helmet uh, a completely dangerous play now the officials they can whistle a play dead uh, when there's a clear significant injury from a player uh, on the ice they can whistle the play dead but for some reason the the refs in this game didn't whistle the play dead the Canucks were able to tie the game after that uh, which led them into overtime but thankfully Nathan McKinnon was able to win the game in overtime immediately, like 27 seconds in, with an absolutely fantastic goal, which uh, I will show you guys right now, just as a kind of an, almost like an FU to those refs um, uh, who didn't even call that play dead. So here it is. Uh, let's see if we can kind of blow it up here. Uh, so there's Nathan McKinnon taking it from coast to coast across the ice. And just absolutely beats the goalie. He's one of the best players in the NHL. He's amazing. He's fantastic. Uh, just scoots right by the defenders and scores. So that was a that was a nice way to to finish that game for the Canucks. But the the the, the uh, for the Avalanche. Sorry, the Canucks shouldn't have been in this game. The refs are completely to blame for this. Uh, Matt Calvert. That that play should have been whistled dead. Even the Canucks players, even Canucks fans, feel that it should have been whistled dead, uh, and it, so he could get some medical help and, and get off the ice. Uh, so they're they're my Gottlieb goons for this week. Those refs, um, just awful, 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 awful. I don't know if you guys any other thoughts on that, but I do. Yeah. Uh, I see both sides of it. Mm. Um. You know, I just read an article about it as you were talking. Not even some of the players are uh, blaming the refs necessarily. Uh, who was that quote from? It was from McKinnon, Nathan McKinnon. Um, the point of the rule, if it's in the if it's for those who don't know the rule, or it's. They, it's in their discretion to blow the play dead, but they take it a lot more. They try to avoid killing it, especially in when it's in the offensive zone. Um, right. Because you don't want, and we had something like this happen last in the in the last postseason with the Blues and the Stars. Yeah. Um, Ben Bishop, the Stars goaltender, went down. I think he took a shot to the neck or something. Yep. Um, and the refs didn't call the play. And you can understand why. 
they they are hesitant because you don't want a guy flopping and then the second that anyone goes down like look at football for example uh, I'm going to call out my rival South Florida here um, and it's not just them tons of teams do it you'll see guys when they're trying to especially now with these hurry up offenses and the defense is getting tired you'll have guys flop uh, to get time to stop so and they have they, they have to if the referee sees a guy go down time has to stop doesn't matter how egregious it was and there's some pretty egregious ones uh, in this case two guys on USF flopped in the exact same way at the exact same time right next to each other okay it was blatant but the refs have to call the play dead and it pisses everyone off and people are trying to find a way to balance preventing that from happening from players flopping and gaming the system versus making sure play stops because it's a legitimate injury uh, and that's the tightrope that, that officiating has to walk same situation here you don't want a guy just flop and let me get to it. I know what okay. you're going to say. Yeah, no, no, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Um, you don't want a guy just to flop and, you know, let's say it's a five or something and you are dead to rights. Flops and then they have to kill the play instantly. You know, that's, that's, that's going to kill any sort of scoring opportunity a team may have. So, of course, you want to be hesitant to make sure that the guy is actually injured before killing a play like that. And it does come back to bite teams, like last year I said, uh, although I would have called it dead earlier because it was a goaltender, but Ben DeBishop, you know, they didn't call the play dead on him, which was a bit interesting because they tend to be a bit more... Uh, lenient when it comes to goaltenders right um because there's so much more danger you know they're getting vulcanized rubber shot at them at over 70 miles per hour so that's one side of it on the other side of it yeah he was totally on the ground bleeding um and they should have stopped it earlier but unfortunately that's that's a tough balance I, and thankfully they won. I mean, it's, you know, thankfully in terms of standings, I mean, I hope the guy's okay. I don't know how he's doing. But uh, in terms of competitively, they didn't lose anything by that happening. No. But it's, it's, it's a tough situation. I, I personally would have called it dead. Um, but I'm not an NFL, uh, I'm not an NHL official. Right. Um, and hell, like I said, even Nathan McKinnon isn't blaming him because that's the rule is. Well, I mean, Nathan McKinnon said like, you know, if it was LeBron James on the, on the court or something like that, they would whistle it dead, that type of thing. I mean, um. But I think he was more talking about the rule itself and not the uh ref because then a second later he said, the leak it's the league rule yeah so no, it, it's i mean either way 
I think, um, and hold on, what the heck is this? Gosh darn it. I hate these freaking ads that just play them automatically. Um, I, I still, uh, the NHL admitted that there was a, a, an error in judgment, that they're not going to change the rule. And I don't think the rule needs to be changed. I just think that the refs in that situation didn't follow the rule as it was intended. Uh, and thus, that's why I'm calling them out on it. And Avalanche called them out. I think one of the Avs broadcasters actually went down to the, uh, or um, who was a former GM, or, 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 oh no, I think he's an NHL Network um, guy uh, who was a former GM that was watching the game. He went down to the referee's room, and you almost never go in there. You almost, right. almost nobody goes into the ref's rooms in any sport. Uh, went in there and was like, guys, you messed up this time, you know? And and, uh, and I'm sure those guys get it, and they, they probably were given a stern talking to. I mean, you... And I, I may not have made it clear when I was saying, I think they messed up the call. Right. But I, I don't get... think it was them being, oh, we don't care about this guy being injured, blah, 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 blah. Right. I don't think they were being malicious when they did it. Right. I think they were they were walking that tightrope between I, I, the wow, thing is the, the Canucks have a great scoring opportunity here and wow that guy appears to be hurt but is he really is he faking it or not <laughs> and unfortunately they just took a little too long if, to make if that this decision. was if this was the NBA I probably would have aired on the side of faking it but in the NHL guys I most guys rarely fake their injuries, especially right, of when, especially when you uh, hit to the head. That's all I'm saying. I mean, if it was his knee or that type of stuff, or you know, his legs, and that the guys always get hit in the uh, blocking shots in that sort of manner. Mm-hmm. But um, and the situation itself, the Canucks were down two with three minutes, with less than three minutes to go. Almost. Almost no team comes back from that. In fact, if it wasn't right. for if they whistle that play dead, the Canucks probably lose in regulation, mm-hmm. uh, like they should have. But they get like a goal. I said, you know, I agree. I think they messed up that call royally. But you know, at the same time, like I was saying, I don't think you know they're being malicious. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, no, I, I completely get you, and, I, and we'll 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 end it on that. Uh, Gottlieb's mm-hmm. goons. Uh, I, I still consider them goons for that moment, just for that moment itself, not the refs uh, in general. Gotcha. So, but just for that moment itself. Uh, right. Just a goon moment. Just a goon moment. We all have our goon moments. We all have our mm-hmm. goon moments. And um, also, I know we covered uh, Rudolph, but I just want to say, come on, don't hit a guy with a <laughs> helmet. Are you going with Miles Garrett on this one? I mean, we we've elapsed our time probably by a lot we need to get to our non-sponsors but right you know i forget who said it uh but there was a commentator there was a commentator after the game discussing it and he said something like i don't care if he said something bad about your mama you don't hit somebody with a helmet no that was uh, a lot and a lot of people said oh he was playing a little too much all pro football 2k8 Exactly. Oh, no, 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 no NFL no, no. blitz the league, blitz the league, blitz the league, blitz That's the right. league, right? Or, uh, or like backbreaker, I think was the other one. Yeah. Um, but it's like, look, I get it. He, Rudolph started it. You know, I 
he more than likely started it. You know, he's playing coy, saying, you know, he didn't do anything wrong. But he was trying to rip the guy's helmet off. I get it. He's a jerk for doing that. That's kind of like sacred. That's like like safe area. You don't grab someone's helmet intentionally, um, let alone try to rip it off their head. You don't do that. And I think that Rudolph got off way, 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 way too easy. But you can't hit someone with a helmet, yeah. especially if they're not wearing a helmet. That's one of those unwritten rules in football. <laughs> like, I mean, I was, uh, I was comparing, I was talking to some people over the weekend, um, you know, about the legality of it in the sense of, you know, <laughs> he was he forced he was forcibly attempting to reestablish contact with the head. Um, I, I I was talking to a couple of people about the legality of it in the sense of could he be charged with a crime? Uh, of course, he uh, Rudolph declined to pursue charges against uh, Garrett, but. You know, it made me think of. Um, see, there you go. <laughs> um, sorry, I'm on such a delay here, so I'm just now seeing the clip of him hitting the guy in the head. Yeah. Um. So, I I was comparing it to um, the Steve Moore incident in the NHL where he got rabbit punched mm. by Todd Bertuzzi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Or um. To- or. McSorley and Donald Brashear. Um, For those who don't know, uh, the Steve Moore one, look it up, but basically uh, Todd Bertuzzi came up from behind him, grabbed his his jersey on the back, and then punched him on the back of the head. Like, right where... Basically where the the spinal cord is. And I'm showing it on screen right now. It um, was in a, I'm on a several second delay, so... Yeah, it was in a blog uh, game. The Avs were winning 8-2. to two, And so we're like, about to see it. It was completely uncalled for, and it it ended the guy's career. I mean, Steve Moore, he thankfully didn't suffer. And then on top of that, he shoved his head into the ice. Yep. On top of just punching him in the back of the head. So he was charged and he pled guilty I think he he uh, took a plea deal mm-hmm. but you know thankfully Moore wasn't uh, seriously injured you know paralyzed or what have you but still it ended his career because he had uh, terrible uh, side effects after it. I think he had vertigo and things like that. Yeah. And then the McSorley one, um, McSorley whacked Donald Brashear with the stick on his head. Um, those, I, as soon as I saw that, I immediately thought of those two incidents because that's, and it's funny that we're lawyers. We, we talked about this a lot in torts and crim law is where is the line, especially in torts, where is the line between a violent action that is consented to mm-hmm. and 
where it's not consented to and where it starts to go into the area of into into crime. Um, you know, it's a great intro subject for a lot of the first year torts classes because you're running into people, you know, punching them in the case of hockey. In any other circumstance, yeah, that's going to get that's going to get you in jail because it's not consented to, but it is in a sense consented to in certain violent sports. Yeah. But this takes beyond that. Yeah. Um, so no, Miles Garrett, I, I get it. He probably, he did something to piss you off. I'm sure it went beyond just, uh, went beyond just him grabbing at your helmet. You can't do that, man. That's, that's so scary and dangerous. Yeah. Um, I'll actually be bringing something up like that in a second later when we talk about college football, but still. Um, okay. Um, yeah, sorry. For, I said I was going to make it quick, but I didn't. But for that reason, he's I'm sandwiching. I'm doing the other side of the Gottlieb scoops thing. Oh no, no, that's that's great. I mean, and yeah, a lot of goons, a lot of goons over this, uh, and we're seeing a lot of past goons from from hockey, uh, for sure. Uh, and this is kind of the stuff the hockey wanted to eliminate, and thank God, thank God, this is it's barbaric at this point. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, uh, we ran a little long here, but we're we're going to our favorite segment here. Because uh, the last segment was a bit of a bummer <laughs> at this point. Uh, it's a word from a non-sponsors. Uh, people, places, concept, things, what have you. We like them. We talk about them. It's not just about uh, Sekiro uh, Shadows on uh, on the PS4 and, and the Xbox One and PC. It's not just about that. It's about the, the, the guys that don't give us money for stuff. So I started it last week. I don't know who wants to do it this week to start out. Who, who wants to the lead off? I can I think Charles I can is up. Yeah. So, as we all know, as I kind of say with every preface, last week we talked about, what, my fancy clothing because I had a wedding and I had to get all fine and looking. But guess what, guys? Wedding's over. It's holiday season. <laughs> and your boy has a quest of filling his belly and not his ego anymore. <laughs> and today, I was kind of hungry. I knew I wanted some dinner. Usually after the show, I get the dinner, but I was like, no, 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 no. Your boy is hungry now. The tummy was rumbling, rumbling louder than Mason Rudolph's skull getting hit by the dang helmet all the time. <laughs> and it's Taco Tuesday. But I didn't really want a taco. It's weird. But what I did want was a burrito. Now, there are people out there who might say, Charles, it's sacrilegious that you go to this place for a burrito. And you know what I say? I don't care. I like my burrito from this place. Because I was craving it. It's pretty close to me. I live in Martin County. I don't have fancy burritos. I do have a taco place I go to, like a little truck. But the line was going to be too long. So I went to a place that makes the food in front of me. It's still convenient. And it's not Chipotle because I'm not really big on them. I go for the Chipotle alternative. I go for the place that kind of keeps it a little Mexican-y. I go to Moe's Tacos. No, but good choice. But I go to Moe's, man. Welcome to Moe's. Welcome to Moe's. You know, you feel, you feel loved. You feel welcome. I know those kids are paid seven thirty-five an hour just to acknowledge me, but I feel like a king coming into a kingdom, and I feel <laughs> loved. And today, I wanted a Joey Bag of Donuts. And what was a Joey Bag of Donuts? Apparently, it's just a burrito without guac, and that's good because one, guac's not as decent. Two, guac is kind of nasty. You ever have wet dumpster with cat litter? That to me is guacamole. Not crazy about it. I don't like going to this. 
I don't like it on zip. You know what I do like? The free chips and salsa that I get from most. I go with the guapo because that's how I was feeling over the weekend. Muy guapo. So it was tasty. It was like tasting like me. That's kind of nasty. Take that down. Edit it. Whatever. But it's good. You guys should get the guapo with your, uh, with your little tortilla chips. But I get my Joey bag of donuts. I get my uh, steak because I had chicken for lunch today. And they now, guys, have a buffalo sauce. So I said, sure, why not? Let's try it on. And let me tell you, it was absolutely neutral. It didn't really taste like anything, so it was just whatever. But I know what I get there. I get whatever kind of meat. I get my brown rice. I get my sour cream. I get a little bit of that chicken, you know, or a little bit of that cheese. I get a little bit of that lettuce, and I get a little bit of flavoring. And I get my Sofile Guapo salsa. I get my tortilla chips. Come home. I know I got to do a show. You guys are dealing with fully energized, Charles. So I have to worry about food, Charles. Because you know what, guys? We don't care about looking fly. You know what we care about? Being full. If you have a Moe's and you got to get something on the run and you want a little bit tasty, go eat their food. You can get tacos. You can get burritos. You can get, uh, like, the little wannabe, you know, Crunchwrap Supremes, which just go to Taco Bell. It's the only saving grace that Taco Bell has for that. And then you can even get a bowl there, but that defeats the purpose because if I'm at a, you know, a, a Mexican cuisine, quotation marks in there, I might as well just get this tortilla. But eat at Moe's, you know, uh... Hashtag or promo code finally full. Alrighty. Uh, who wants to go next? You're next. I'm next. All right, guys. I think so. Okay. So, uh, guys, uh, I I bought Pokemon Sword just most recently, literally like a couple hours ago, and I played it a little bit. And I, but that's not my non-sponsor. I'll, I'll probably it'll probably it probably will be my non-sponsor next week once I get really hooked into it my non-sponsor goes out to my boy michael rubino from uh my my best friend from florida state university uh i'm just th- we you know we became friends uh we knew each other at our church then we kind of we became roommates after that and we spent a year together and honestly it was probably one of the best years of my life uh we enjoyed everything we, we are just buying food going to football games uh hanging out playing video games most especially and most especially because of pokemon pokemon brought us together guys at that moment uh pokemon heart gold and soul silver were re were released for the nintendo ds re-releases of the greatest pokemon games ever pokemon gold and silver and I already had my DS at that point, but my boy, my boy Mike, he was like, man, I need to get some of that action. I'm like, don't you worry, good sir. We're going to go down to the GameStop right across the street. We're going to get you that, that Nintendo DS for on the, on the cheap, cheap, on the used circuit there. He bought himself a DS Lite, and we had one of the greatest moments ever. Months and months of fantastic Pokemon gameplay, but... Uh, it was just those moments with him going down to that Greek place that we always got our gyros from. Uh, those that was great. Just, just uh, man, one one of the best uh, people that I've ever known in my life. And he lives out in Tennessee now. He's a police officer over there, and he's he's making a he bought Pokemon Shield most recently. And I, I told him whenever you buy Pokemon Shield, I'm gonna buy Pokemon Sword. Uh, because uh, I was waiting, I was waiting to see if he would take the jump first, and he did. And I'm like, all right, we're gonna do this together. So, and thankfully, uh, Nintendo's online infrastructure is a little better than it was back in 2009 or 10, whenever they released Gold and Silver again. And we can in- enjoy uh, a little bit of co-op gameplay. I haven't reached it yet, 
but we will at some point and uh, I'll be playing Pokemon Sword a lot tonight and I uh, just want to shout out to my boy Michael Rubino man uh, uh, love you you're a brother to me and uh, we're about to catch some Pokemon and and duke it out online as well so I'll, I'll see you uh, in a couple hours or, or so we'll see uh, so yeah, that, that's my 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 non sponsor. A little sentimental myself, but that's it. Uh, promo code uh, Italian Stallion because he's Italian. <laughs> oh. oh man, Francisco could be my hype man any day of the week. <laughs> okay, so my non sponsor. Hmm, let's see. Just, just look around your room and maybe... Uh... Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, doorknobs. You know, doorknobs are great, everybody. <laughs> Those doorknobs, man. <laughs> we could get back to you. We could go to our next subject and we could loop it back around. No, that's all right. I got one. I got one. Um, my non-sponsor this week is my t-shirt. <laughs> I mean, it keeps you warm, right? Keeps me warm. Keeps you warm. I'm assuming it has a graphic design on there, possibly. It does have a graphic design on it. You gotta subscribe to is, us. And that is why, because I got a reaction out of somebody, which I haven't in a while on my shirts, and now I'm very happy that I got a reaction out of it. Is it a fake solid shirt? Okay. <laughs> Here, I'm pulling up a picture and sending it to Facebook. Okay, so I'll try and pop it up on the screen here. Uh, whenever you get it to me over here. It's almost a running gag at this point. That Although, I will, in fairness to me, I've actually been good in the past couple of weeks. Those have been pre-prepared. Okay, that's fine. I mean, is, is it fair that we can now call this segment in honor of our actual sponsor, Securo Shadows Never Die Twice? Sagona sponsors never die twice because we took an opportunity and we're here now. <laughs> uh, if anything, we can see if we can find some Fate Silence t-shirts. Right. So for those uh, listening in the background, we are going to see what this shirt is. Okay, one second. See if I can... Uh, <laughs> I appreciate let, it. Uh, let, me, let me try uh, and pop it up on the screen here real quick. One second. Let's see if this link works. Put the OK on here. <laughs> there it is. Nope, not today. All right, Andrew. Please, go on. I've had this shirt for a while. It's a very good shirt. Um, and it finally got a reaction from somebody today. And I am happy... Uh, <laughs> Fade to silent short. Oh. <laughs> um, so yes, I am excited of this, that my shirt got a reaction today. Now, I, you saw, I saw this is available on walmart.com. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you guys want, you can get this Nope Not Today t-shirt in gray. It's a, a gray t-shirt with a large orange Nope, and below that in uh, white background... Uh, not today in in black uh, black lettering there. 
Alrighty. Now, do you have a promo code for this, Andrew? Nope, not today. <laughs> That's actually really good. <laughs> That's a good promo code for it. I, I feel like Andrew is an evil genius, and he's playing like he didn't plan it, but he really just set up for the beat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. Uh let's let's we can move on to our next topic all right so college college sports andrew college football uh go ahead man well obviously the big news of the week yeah. is the injury due to a tag of by loa abort the he tank everybody the abort the tank <laughs> sorry <laughs> so for those who don't know to attack of by loa is the uh, the starting quarterback for the Alabama Crimson Tide football team. He suffered a fairly severe injury this past week uh, in their game against uh, Mississippi State. Yep. He dislocated his hip. He is done for the rest of the year, and potentially the rest of his career at Alabama. We don't know. Um, I actually, I disagree with you there on that one, Charles. He's actually a very good player. Um, he, he's redefined Alabama's offense because Alabama's used to be a very, um, I don't want to say not dynamic because they've been killing it, but he's been kind of the first guy that um, introduced some mobility and things into exactly conservative and predictable. He's kind of added a sort of unpredictability mobility to Alabama's offense. I mean, who's AJ McCarron, for instance, he was a great, but he didn't do that great in the NFL, uh, according to one of my friends who knows a lot more about this than I do. Mm-hmm. He was more of a game manager, so he fit into the Alabama system, which was which worked great for him and the team, but it didn't work out beyond that. Whereas Tagovailoa is both great for Alabama, but he's also a, just a great player in of itself. I mean, look at uh, Jalen Hurts. Um, he's he's absolutely balling right now at Oklahoma because he's in a system that is more it's it's a much more high flying, fling the ball sort of thing, mm-hmm. and which is more in tune with his his talents. Um. So he was kind of in a way being held back at Alabama. Um, but Saban decided to kind of let go of that and let Tua do his thing. So it's a big loss not for Alabama because he's just such a dynamic player. Yeah. Uh, but also, if you've heard Saban talking about it, he means a lot to the team. He's a team leader. And of course he is. Uh, quarterback as well and he actually is very good friends with another uh, Hawaiian quarterback um, who 
sadly got injured, Mackenzie Milton of my UCF Knights. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's very odd that this has happened to two guys at virtually the same time of year in back-to-back season uh, from the same state. They're, they played together when they were younger, and then they ended up playing for rival high schools. Um, but I digress. So a lot of criticism has been placed on Saban for what was Tua doing in there so late in a game where they were leading by at least I think it's like three possession lead at that point, if not more. Um, and I don't know what are your what's your guys' take on it? Uh, I I always a game that was all but, all but in the bag. I I always think um, of. Uh, Derek Rose against the Philadelphia 76ers in that first round in game one when uh, Tom Thibodeau just, I mean, the game was already won by that point. The Bulls were blowing out the 76ers or at the very least had like a, had more than 10 point lead or something like that. And he left them out there. And then Derek Rose just lands a little funny. And and, then all of a sudden his entire career gets derailed from there. He was uh, MVP. He was, uh, probably the Bulls had a real shot of defeating the Miami Heat in that era, and and because of I don't know because of it, playing out the whole game that I have no idea, uh, not planning out ahead. Sometimes coaches just kind of get get too into the game and don't realize you know we can save this for later. Like it's it's fine and. They don't realize that uh, they they just screw it up and it comes back to bite them. So uh, I I always think when ga- when teams are getting blown out, whether it's in baseball or football or basketball, ho- even hockey, you know, if if, if you're winning uh, five nothing by the end of the third by the end of the second period in a hockey game, you pull your starting goaltender, put in the backup, you're most likely going to win. Uh, same thing in baseball. All right, uh, bring in your starters from the outfield. You're winning uh, eight nothing in the seventh inning. Just bring them in. The same thing in all sports. Uh, there's no reason to do so. Uh, maybe maybe Nick Saban was thinking more about the college football playoff and that type of stuff. That's probably my. That's probably what went into it. Okay, we gotta get more points. We gotta uh, play out this entire game and and. and and, and destroy Mississippi State, uh, but lo and behold, this happens and it affects them. Now they're they're ranked fifth in the playoff. They they drop down two spots and and who knows if they they'll even get in at this point. But right now it's it's LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, and Georgia sitting in the top four spots. Uh, and Georgia and uh, and Clemson moved up two spots. So it, it might have just come back to bite the the Crimson Tide in the butt, and uh, I, I was I, it's very unfortunate, very unfortunate because from but it might be fortunate for the Miami Dolphins because Tua might be able to drop to number four, and the Dolphins could draft them. And the Dolphins have had concerns with injured quarterbacks in the past, but the last time that happened, they chose Dante Culpepper over Drew Brees. So let's not repeat history, in Miami. Let's just not. That's my. That's all I got. <laughs> okay. All right. So let's let's be honest here. College football, when it comes to Nick Saban, is not sunshine, rainbows, and butterfly parts. You guys, 
he kept to in there, as Francisco has said, because he needed to impress everybody to make him think, because what do we know about college football? You know, the rankings and everything comes in. You need to be able to score fancy points like you're playing all, you know, like you're playing Madden on all-man difficulty against your five-year-old cousin who is wearing an eye patch because he just had surgery. So, you know, that's that's what's getting Ohio State propelled because they're dropping 70 points on people. These lower-level schools. So that's all saving ones. He was so in-tuned on just trying to add in more points that it bit him in the butt. And I love it. I love it, as you know, because right now, what is good for the goose is not good for the gander. You know, hindsight is twenty twenty. All the cute little phrases you come into, but it seems to be really hard, in my opinion, for Bama to even be a four or three. Because who took who's in the standings now? You got LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia's four. Yep. Georgia's four. Who's five six? Alabama and, and Oregon. Okay, so let me ask you this. Bama can keep winning out, or you can get these pseudo-undefeated teams who are still kind of running the table, or someone from the Pac-12, Big Ten, what have you. They score a little bit higher. They be more competition. It just kind of, it's it's kind of like a culture shock a little bit. And what does Bama get to do? They end up getting a little lame, stinky bowl. That even a real bowl, you guys? Because, I mean, when you think about it, now that Tua's hurt, don't you want it? If Oregon wins out, don't you kind of want to put Oregon at number five? Or even if something happens in the top four, wouldn't you want to be, let's say Georgia loses, wouldn't you want to kind of be the ballsy kind of voter and go for Oregon and get some Pac-12 left in there? Because when you guys think, you know, assuming Oregon versus Ohio State, let's say Ohio State gets a one or seven two, come on, I can get behind that. Or I'm looking at the rankings now. What if this is the propelling of Oklahoma and Oklahoma gets some love? You know, things happen, things are crazy. It's all about points, right? And of course, who you lose to. But I think this is a a hard thing to dig them out, and it cost Bama everything. Because what were you really playing for? Seeding? We all wanted that Bama LSU rematch anyway. You would have been fine on your fourth seed because that's what would happen, don't you think? You think Georgia would probably pop out, or even if they went out with the same schedule, Georgia's going to be penalized because Alabama has a rigged system coming into the SEC championship leading into the bowl game. So, you know what? We know why he did it. We know why he kept to it. Is it smart? Is it dumb? Well, it doesn't matter now, right? Because you already made the choice. Now you got to really hope that that dynamic play that you had with Tua can be replicated in whoever your backup is. And that, you know, because here's the difference between this Bama from this year and last year. You know, they don't have really a run game to help them. It just really was Tua and then uh, Judy, or Jury, however you say the receiver's last name, kind of kept them going. So, boy, you better pray because you're never going to hear Bama fans kind of talk about it. You lost last year in the finals, and now you're not even making it to college football playoffs because of a questionable play. You know, Saban has autonomy beyond belief, but Someone's going to kind of call him an idiot, don't you think? I don't know. I, I've i been seeing a lot. It seems almost like whenever a um, whenever a high-flying team like that loses, everyone and their mother is going to come out of the work work and say, oh, he needs to be fired, oh, he needs to be fired. Any program... Just about any program right now would kill to have Nick Saban as their head coach. He already has a freaking statue outside the stadium of himself. <laughs> yeah, well, 
Saban's never going to get fired, but people are going to be grumbling about missing out even being in the college football playoffs this year. Eh, one year. Whether it's being the first seed or the fourth seed. Well, yeah, yes, but get in line with the other 126 teams that don't get in. And the 120 or so that have never made it to the playoffs. Alabama is the only team that has made it into the college football playoff every season since it began, which was the 2014 season. 2014, 15, 16, 17, 18. Yep. This is yep. the sixth season right. of the college football playoff. They're the only one that's made it into the playoff every single year. If all of a sudden they're going to start running around like a chicken with their head cut off because they missed one season, that's ridiculous. Um... And okay. Well, professionally and also in college. That's so, my retort. Uh, you mentioned Oklahoma. A- Andrew, what the frick happened to Baylor? <laughs> it's the curse of 28 to 3, man. <laughs> Even the Atlanta Falcons tweeted about it. <laughs> yeah, it's. I don't know. There, I, was, um, I was monitoring that as a mod on the Discord channel, and I just, you could see the meltdown happening from the chat. You could just—it was—it was impressive. It was—it <laughs> was, it was impressive to say it the least. Kinda, it was probably kind of beautiful at the same time, like a. <laughs> it was very beautiful, and get this though—that guarantees. That all, I don't know how many undefeated teams there are overall, but that all but guarantees that we are going to have um, at least one. Well, we've had. What am I talking about? Well, LSU, uh, Ohio State, and Clemson are all undefeated so far. Right. So we're already guaranteed to have a. They went undefeated last year. Yeah, I don't know why I made that significant. Um, but, yeah, I don't know what happened to Baylor. That was that was a huge moment for them. They get uh, they get college game day, which is I don't think it's ever been to Waco before, or maybe it has. And I need to do more research before I do shows. Um, but nonetheless, I mean, you've got Pat McAfee jumping into the Brazos River, Um you know, that's a big moment for them, and they let that slip away. Yeah. Uh, you had the eyes of the college football world looking at you, and it wasn't even it. a close game, quote-unquote. <laughs> you blew it! <laughs> you blew it, exactly. Or like uh, the South Park absolutely... version of it. You blew it! You had it all, you blew it! <laughs> yeah, they they absolutely blew it. They had, I actually think at one point it was 31-3. to that they had a lead. So they gave up 31 unanswered points. 31. That is ridiculous. Uh, oh, boy. Uh. And look, Matt Rule is doing a great job in, in, in Waco right now. Um, he's bringing them back to quasi-death. Death penalty, as it were, mm-hmm. um, after the the, uh, the the rape and sex assault, the sexual assault scandal that came out yeah. back uh, a few years ago under Art Riles. 
but man, that hurts. That is not a good loss. I mean, Especially well, when yeah, it, it, they, far- they had they had a non-zero chance of getting into the college football playoff. They would need a lot to go their way because they were ranked pretty low. Yeah, they're, um, they're 13th right now. They only went down one spot because of the loss. Even Oklahoma went down a spot, uh, even when they, even though they won. And they're sitting at 10th. So Baylor's sitting at uh, number 13 in the college football playoff rankings. Uh, the team that jumped the most that's in the top 25 right now are the, the Golden Gophers out in Minnesota. Uh, there, and there's, there's, you know, there's a, a nice wave of, of support for them to, to, to have a shot at this. Who, Minnesota? Yeah. Uh, I mean. Oh, they're done. They're not going to come back in. Oh, they're not. They lost last week. Oh, yeah, that's right. I mean, but they still shot up nine spots. So. Um, You're looking at last week's rankings. Am I? How's this mm-hmm. last week? Oh, man. Gosh, well, the AP poll. Let's see. That one's updated. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that's that one's updated. Gosh darn it. Sorry, guys. As uh, for well, Baylor, yeah, they're still sitting at 13th in the AP poll. And uh, Oklahoma shut up two spots in the AP poll at number eight. So it's... But the, there's only one poll that really matters. Oh, no. That, I know. I know. But uh, this is kind of like a nice indicator of where things could go. Uh, we still have LSU, mm-hmm. Ohio State, Clemson, and Georgia in the top four in that one. Um, as far as the AP poll, Virginia Tech kind of snuck up there in the 25th spot. So there's there's that. Um, ACC rep at the Think, very least. see how this plays out. Um, um, and man, I... I'm really, really hoping that I hope that one of the SEC teams gets taken out because I really don't want to see another situation like a couple, like two seasons ago, where it ended up being two SEC teams playing each other in the finals. No, those days are over. That's why we expanded to four because we had a. We had a two-team final that got all this started. It was Bama and LSU. To I think it was in 2012. Um, that's the reason. That was the catalyst for this new system. I, I always to thought avoid the college. Like I always thought the CFB playoff was more about um, getting representation, for, not only for each conference or, or most of the conferences from all across the country so you'd have your okay a southern representative which is most likely an sec team or even an acc team you have your northern-ish representative and like a a big 10 team like ohio state that type of stuff Uh, and you have your your western representatives like uh or or kind of mid-southwest representative you have your pack team your and your, your your big 12 team that type of stuff I thought that was the point of getting some sort of variety into it, but uh, two SAT teams. Going, like, yeah, you're never going to have true variety when, well, of course when, not. A, when, when a minimum of one of the Power Five conferences is going to be left out, and unfortunately, the SEC is very overrated well no 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 it's 
not that they're overrated. It's that they are given at times unfair view. Um, mm-hmm. Some people think, oh, it's all name recognition if you follow what I mean. Right. Yeah, that, that's um, it's okay, and they're mostly East Coast-ish teams. And, right. Uh, yeah, maybe a lot of people don't even see, let's say, Oregon, because they play all the way out west, and people don't stay up to watch their games. You're right. There is some sort of bias in that sense as well, and of course, the people from those southern teams, SEC teams, they're from little places and towns and that's the only thing they're significant for it's the one thing that they can stand out when it comes to their college sports because they don't have a pro scene or anything like that so that's mm. their that's for for people in alabama the, the the crimson tide are basically like their their new england patriots that's their team that's that's all they can uh, not all that they can hang their hat on but for the most part that's what they hang their hat on and in Louisiana, the right. same thing. All I saw in Louisiana when I went there, LSU stuff. LSU was mm-hmm. everywhere. LSU was freaking everywhere. I saw LSU. I some New Orleans Saints stuff and absolutely no New Orleans Pelicans stuff. That place is LSU, LSU, LSU. It's just the way it is. So that for them, this is fantastic, great. Uh, and that's what they're pushing and maybe some people in in the college rank, college football media need to think outside the bun and uh, bring back some variety there. Since, you know, Charles talked about tacos today, so, you know. <laughs> I could go on for... Um, I could go on forever about this, but... Um, <laughs> and we, want... We've talked about it before. <laughs> outside the wrap. Um, I do want to get to one other segment though before we have to end for the evening mm-hmm. but I just want to say this though uh, I officially got the green light I will be covering the Miami FIU game this Ooh, at Marlins Park at Marlins Park alright so uh, you can say hi to our good old buddy Derek Jeter who provided us some nice goodies when we went to the Marlins game last time uh, of course Indeed. by way of the Florida Panthers so thank you and uh, and actually, um, I have a picture I want to send over to you to put on screen because this is what I'll be experiencing or seeing firsthand in a couple of days. All righty. Uh, let me see if I can pull it up. Okay. Yep, so, here it is. Uh, so for those who... Sorry, go ahead. Um, the field is oriented down the first baseline. Right. So, um, well, when you pull up the picture, you'll see what I'm talking about. Yeah, I'm trying to get it on here. Give me one second. Let's see if I can. Uh, if not, I can look up. I can try and look it up on the, because. Uh, I can always look up. You move on to our favorite segment, and I'll pull it up. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll try and swear. figure. It, I'll try and find it out here. Oh, one second. Give me one second. Uh, gosh. Yeah, because the Marlins have their basically it's the same configuration that they had at the old uh, Hard Rock Stadium, 
basically yeah it goes down uh, the first baseline basically from third base into right field the same thing they had at, at Hard Rock Stadium which is kind of I don't know if that's a nod or it's just the way that the space is for Marlins Park but I'll just put Marlins Park football and we'll have a we'll have an idea because they used to have the Miami Beach Bowl that uh, the Marlins did they have it once I think it was only once that they hosted it right I'm not, I'm not sure, Andrew. I think it was twice. Okay, it might have been two of them. But, uh, so, as you can see, that's uh, not the best view, but you can, uh, that's a view of the old Miami Beach Bowl. Even though Marlins Park is not really anywhere near Miami Beach, uh, it's still situated in the city of Miami, but uh, that's the football configuration. Here's a seating chart version of that. Did you get the picture I sent? Yeah, I, I just can't find a way to put it on the screen. So, but I'm just let showing me try you, one more thing. Um, I'm showing approximations of of what the Marlins have already done in the past for their football and soccer configuration, because that's also their soccer configuration. But it, it's on the screen there. <laughs> As people are, it's, uh, Marlins Park looks horrible for a bowl game. It's not the greatest of of configurations for for football but a lot of baseball stadiums do host football games i think yankee stadium puts it right down smack down in the middle from home plate to center field right um i believe so because that's what yeah. they do with army navy yeah because it's 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 kind of a i've never seen that set up before but yeah that's marlins park for for that's their soccer configuration um all right so that that's that, but uh, okay, boys, Charles, let's let's head on off to the cage and talk Ooh, about um, wrestling. All right, welcome everybody to the cage with Charles, your weekly trueplex. Full disclaimer, as we always say, wrestling itself, it's not fake. It's scripted. It's a dance. It's a ballet. It's a musical. It's basically Powerline in a goofy movie telling you to stand out. Sometimes it's about chasing titles. Sometimes it's about the love of a woman, love of a man. Sometimes you just want to beat somebody down. And sometimes, you guys, it's about seeing who has brand supremacy in more ways than one. Why? Because this weekend at Sunday, it's Survivor Series. And your boy is ready so, for so, it. So, hold on, Charles, uh, learn a goof here. What the heck is Survivor Series? All right, so, two fun facts I'm going to give you. One, Survivor Series is when The Undertaker married his first ever appearance with the WWE about 30-something years ago, 20, like, six years ago, 27 years ago. Two, Survivor Series from what it was then to what it was now or what it is now. Back then, it was like a five-on-five, -five, you know, team elimination match so you have five of these superstars versus five of these superstars and last one winning is great you know the best whatever it wasn't really any kind of big achievement it's just bragging right it's now because everything's broken down as I mentioned in the past learning group segments you have three different brands within the WB you have Raw which airs Monday Night USA you have Smackdown which airs Friday on Fox sometimes FS1 and then you have NXT which is now kind of declaring itself as another official big name in the WWE airing on USA on Wednesdays right against AEW's Dynamite. So what this is, it's a little bit different. In the past years, it was who's going to win, Raw versus SmackDown. NXT never got 
a taste of it. Never got you know to sit at the table. It was basically UCF sitting at the big kids table during or the adult table, you know, during the uh, the big references to the UMs and the Floridas and the Florida States. But don't worry, like UCF in real life, NXT is now in the big time. You get to sit with the adults because this year it's going to be kind of weird, but multiple multi-man, multi-woman matches where you have five of your best superstars from Raw, five of your best superstars from SmackDown, mm-hmm. men and women, and then five of your best superstars at NXT all going against each other for brand, brand supremacy. In addition, you have championship matches going on between the interbrands. The highlight, which I think is going to be muy fire, muy sexy, United States champion AJ Styles versus Intercontinental champion Shinsuke Nakamura versus WWE NXT North American champion Roderick Strong. And I'm going to feel very strong during that match, you guys, because it is going to be stylistic. It's going to be sexy. I think it's going to take the night. Aside from that, you have Brock Lesnar going against Rey Mysterio Jr. That's right. Our little Lucha Libre is still wrestling 20 years later for the WWE Championship in a no hole barred match. Why was this done? Probably get me invested into it because Rey is like 5'5". Five five. Brock is like 8'5". So, you know... We don't want to kill anybody here, but it should be entertaining. But I'm going to call a little prediction right here, guys. The quote Paul Heyman, the advocate for Brock Lesnar. Not prediction, spoiler. I think Raymond Mysterio is going to win because Vince McMahon loves him a good soldier. And that way it kind of makes him disappear for a little bit. Brock Lesnar disappear for a little bit as they try to create new stars. Other highlight in that, The Fiend, Bray Wyatt, defends his newly won Universal Championship, which is now blue instead of red. So instead of looking like a uh, fruit roller... Yeah, I saw that. It, <laughs> I saw yeah, that. Now it just basically looks like an airhead in gold. You know what? I kind of like it. There's something <laughs> about the blue and gold. Let me try to look out. it up. Yeah, well, are we going there against Daniel Bryan? Can there be a story? I hope so. Is going to be good? Probably average. Why? Because they like to do red lights throughout the entire match involving The Fiend. And now they should kind of do blue considering the fact that he's on SmackDown. But whatever, it should be entertaining. And then, But the bigger thing... Because, you know, we talk about NXT and their invasion because they're invading Survivor Series. But this Saturday at 7 at the WWE Network, take off your Astro headsets. Stop playing Fade to Silence and Sekiro, Shadows Never Die Twice. And watch on the WWE Network, NXT TakeOver War Games. Because what you have is the men's version and the women's version of War Games. Multiple people, four on four, stuck in a massive cage, all hell destruction. It's going to be so good because I always enjoy these pay-per-views. I'm ready for it. Other matches that I know are going to be a highlight, Angel Garza going against Leo Rush for the NXT Cruiserweight Championship. And then furthermore, you're going to have Killian Dane versus Damian Priest versus Pete Dunne. Whoever wins that match faces Adam Cole, baby, for the NXT Championship on Survivor Series. The NXT Championship is the equivalent for NXT's version for the WWE Championship or the Universal Championship. And you know what, guys? Damn, it feels good to be a gangster. And damn, it feels good to be a wrestling fan. I got nothing on Dynamite right now. It's kind of laying low because we're doing the show on Tuesday Wednesdays. But I will say this. MJF betrayed Cody. Chris Jericho's doing the best heel work throughout any of the wrestling organization. Right now in New Japan Wrestling, they're doing the World Tag Team Classic. Declare number one contenders against the Gorilla Destiny at Wrestle Kingdom in January, which is New Japan's equivalent of, you know, WrestleMania. Ring of Honor is kind of trash, but, you know, hopefully they figure out their stuff. And then Impact's doing some weird stuff because I believe they're going to have Tessa Blanchard. That's right, I'm giving a TNA call out here. That's right, we're, we're evolving here as wrestling fans, right? <laughs> All of us. Tessa Blanchard is going to be going against the greasy champion for the TNA Impact uh, belt going on here. Hold on, let me just get the full name so I can say it. 
say it properly because, of course, now it escapes me because there's too many wrestlers. But right now, Brian Cage, he had it, and then he lost it. Whom did he lose it to? Why am I escaping the name? You know what? At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. But the whole possibility that on Impact, you might have Tessa Blanchard, you know, a woman going for the main title in the industry. And that's kind of uh, interesting to me because, obviously, if I can't remember the main title holder right now, but I know that there's going to be, and Tessa Blanchard is the, I believe, daughter of Tully Blanchard, a fantastic former wrestler. You need to watch it, guys. Don't watch it, but you need to watch some wrestling. Takeover on Saturday, Survivor Series on Sunday. You know what's going to happen. I remember the guy's name minutes ago at the show. It's fine. That's the week. That's why I got for you for the cage. Okay. Alrighty. So, two hours and four minutes here. Um, let me look at the show sheet. If there's anything... Anything more you guys want to talk about before we sign off? It's our last chance to do it. Uh, as far as NBA news, it's the 15th anniversary of the Malice at the Palace. I remember Ooh. one. Yeah. I rem- uh, speaking of Mason Rudolph and the Steelers and stuff, but it didn't get to that level. That's for sure. Uh, Malice at the Palace changed a lot of things between fans and athletes in sports. Uh, I just want to th- just throw these off here. Players of the Week. Uh, for the NBA, Nikola Vucevic for the Orlando Magic, the center. Uh, Magic went 3-0 versus the Sixers, who are a fraud team. The San Antonio Spurs and the Washington Wizards. Yes, yes, they are. Uh, 21.7 points, uh, 14 rebounds, 4 assists, 1.33 blocks. He scored a season-high 30 points, 17 rebounds versus the Wiz. Seven straight double-doubles, and it's his third uh, Player of the Week award. James Harden, back-to-back Player of the Week awards. His 24th in his career. 44.8 points average. Dear Lord. 5.8 rebounds. 6.8 assists. Short 43, four, shot 40% from three. 4-0 for the Rockets against the Pelicans, the Clippers, the Pacers, and the Timberwolves. So uh, just uh, finding... Finding, uh, finding themselves in that new dynamic between Harden and Russell Westbrook. And in the NHL, three stars of the week, Connor McDavid, Connor McJesus for the Oilers, center for the Oilers. Uh, three goals, seven assists for 10 points in three games, including a hat trick versus the Colorado Avalanche, his sixth in his career, and a very good team to do it against. Uh, second in the league in scoring, Nathan McKinnon, Amazing overtime winner against the Canucks after the refs uh, gooned up the final minutes of that game. Leads the Avalanche in points. Four goals, three assists in three games for the Avs. And Keith Yandel, defenseman for the Florida Panthers. Not that great at defense, but really good at offense. Scored one goal and had seven assists to lead all defensemen in those three games for the Panthers. Scored the game-tying goal in the Panthers' historic comeback Four goal comeback in the third period against the Boston Bruins and has the longest active Ironman streak in the National Hockey League with 817 consecutive games played without missing a beat, which is really hard to do in hockey. Can't imagine him doing that. But he has. That's it. That's what I'm closing out with. So thank you, Charles and Andrew, for... For joining me and thanks to anybody who cared to listen and we'll be uh, sharing this across all our social media platforms 
So, uh, gracias for joining us, and gracias to our sponsors and our non-sponsors. Uh, and uh, adios. Good night, everyone. Sixers are frauds. Good night. <laughs> yes, yes, they are. Good Lord.